developing a Christian worldview. Well, I think most of you will agree with me that babies are cute. Uh, here's a picture of a baby, I hope. That's our 10-month-old granddaughter, Florence. I think she's pretty cute. But I'm biased, of course. So as cute as she is, I would not want her to stay like that for, for the rest of her life. You know what I mean? If a baby stayed a baby forever, there would be something tragically wrong there because they're meant to grow. So God doesn't want you to stay a baby Christian either all of your life, because if you did, something would be tragically wrong with you, too. As believers, we've been justified by faith. That is declared not guilty by God. We've been delivered from the penalty of sin. We're also sanctified, which is the act of being set apart as holy, thus being delivered from the power of sin. And we will be glorified for all eternity with the Lord, delivered from the presence of sin. And that's all wonderful news. We're going to focus on the middle term there, sanctification, being sanctified, which technically means being set apart for sacred use. In the Old Testament, places and objects of worship were set apart for God's use. Some examples of that. The priestly class, priestly garments, altars, implements of worship, even land, were, were set apart as special for God's special use. And those things differed from the everyday common things in the life of the Israelite. In the New Testament, that, that change to people are set apart for God's honor and use. We have become his temple or house where he dwells. We are sacred space for him to dwell. Second Timothy 2.21 says, Herefore, or therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So the purpose of holiness is to be useful for God. Sanctification has two sides. The finished action part, which is being made holy. That's God's part. Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And holiness movements emphasize this part of sanctification. Two, the daily progress of becoming holy. That's our part. The verse before says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So the outline I want to use for discussing God's process of sanctification is three words. I want us to look at the words see, act, and believe. I must see myself in a new way. I must act. In a new way. And I must believe in God's ability to accomplish this work in my life. Okay, let's let's tackle that word see first. I must see myself in a new way. Again, let me go over the two aspects of this. First, once and for all. 
That work has been completed by God. Hebrews 10.10. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. 1 Corinthians 6.11. And such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. But then there's also the continual aspect of this work. I'm making progress daily. A couple of verses there. Hebrews 12:14. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So this is something I'm striving for. 2 Peter 3:18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. And Hebrews 10.14 is a neat verse. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So we see both aspects right there in one verse. So sanctification is the process of living out what I already am. I'm a growing saint. I'm not trying to be something that I'm really not. I'm being what I truly am. We think of a saint as someone who is super spiritual, dead, and gets voted in. And I don't know why now the church makes people saints after they're dead, because when you're dead, you can't sin anymore. You are a butterfly. That's who you really are. You look at yourself and say, man, I'm a caterpillar. No, you really are a butterfly. That's what you are destined to be and you will be. So where does this growth or progress happen in my whole being? It happens in my soul, my inner self, my personality, where you think and will and decide. It happens in our bodies, our outer self. Our physical body is what we use to interact with our world. And it happens in our spirits, which are our ability to relate to the spiritual world and to the God who made us. First Thessalonians 5.23 Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. How does sanctification happen? By the power of Christ's death and resurrection. I see myself as crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what's been crucified in me? My flesh. My old man, my sin nature, not my physical body. You have the power now as a new creation in Christ to say no to sin. And you didn't really have that before you were born again. Before I was a Christian, I had some willpower and could say no to some sins. But my, the bent of my being was toward sin. But sin nature now no longer controls us. We can be controlled by sinful habits, though. Patterns of thinking and acting that we engaged in for years. Those kind of things seem to hang on to us. I call them phantom pains. 
You can have a, a limb amputated, I'm told, I've read this, and your brain can still think that limb is there, and you can still feel pain from that limb, even though it's not there. So that, that's how I kind of think of these sinful habits that hang on. My old sin nature has been crucified with Christ and is dead, yet these phantom pangs, if you will, still hang on. And I think that's the paradox of the Christian life. The Bible says our flesh is dead, yet we still see it as alive. So this is where we need faith in this area, to see that my flesh, my old sin nature has been crucified by Christ. And I continue to need his power daily. Sin remains, but it doesn't rain. So I realize that daily. I see myself not only as dead to sin, but alive to God. Romans 6, 11 to 13. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. See, this is your part. But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Did Jesus Christ really die on the cross? Yes, he really did. So I died there with him. My old sin nature did. Was Jesus Christ really resurrected from the dead? Yes, he was. So I'm really alive in him and have that resurrected life of his in me. And that takes faith to believe and apprehend that. So, so why does this process of growing as a Christian take so long? Just like growing from a baby to adulthood. It's a process, a lifelong process in many cases. Why don't we act like we really are or who we really are? Because of years of habits of wrong thinking and wrong actions, which are in conflict with my true self as a Christian. And the fact that God gives us free will. So I could choose to sin. I don't have to, but I could choose to. And we have an enemy of our soul, Satan, who fights against us, wars against us. And we have the world out there, an evil, sinful world that influences us and tempts us to sin. So that's the battle that we're in. We can't get out of that battle. As long as we're in this body, we're going to be in it. But we will win. We will be as holy as we are internally, outwardly. I'm confident of that. So let's look at our second word, act in a new way. So how do I grow? I cooperate with God's process. Let me read the passage I want to dig into a little bit here. Ephesians 4, to 24 says, To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. This passage explains that process of sanctification. I put off the old, I'm renewed in my mind, in my thinking, and I put on the new. So let me give you some helps for putting off the old, just practically speaking here. Number one, don't try to put on the new before taking off the old. 
Jesus said in Matthew 9, 17, Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, so both are preserved. Old wineskins were brittle. And new wine, if put in old brittle wineskins, ferments, that is, it expands, and the old wineskins expand too, and then they break. Newer wineskins are more flexible. Let, let me use another analogy for that that maybe you can relate to better. You're outside, you're, you're playing in the mud, you come inside, and instead of getting cleaned off and taking off your old muddy clothes, you just put your new clothes over top of your old muddy clothes. That, that's silly. We don't do that. Secondly, I recognize my old sinful nature is really dead. Colossians 3.3. Or you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So I'm free from the law to make me holy. Paul says that in Galatians 3.24 and 5. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come. We are no longer under a guardian. We keep the Ten Commandments, but not as a way to put us in right relationship with God. Now, look, look at some helps for putting on the new. Number one, we don't achieve our new life by works. They're given to us by God. We saw that last week in Ephesians 2.10. I don't have the reference up there, but it's something like that. We, we are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God gave to us in advance to do. Second Corinthians 517 reminds us, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Number two, we don't keep our new life by works. We're kept in God. First Peter one, three through four. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. And thirdly, I have a new master. So I recognize and follow him daily. Romans 6.18 says, And having been set free from sin, we have become slaves of righteousness. Here are some thoughts and helps on renewing my mind part. Number one, be in the Word. Being in the Word helps me see how God sees things. I, I get His wisdom, His truth on how to act. Romans 12.2 do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So, so the more I'm in the word, the more I'm thinking more like God, and the more Christian my worldview will be. Let me give you some words for being in the word. Hearing it. Reading it. Studying it, memorizing it, meditating on it, applying it. 
And I want to share each of those in just a moment. But let me read Matthew 13, 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So that's really struck me as is profound. The enemy comes along to steal the word from my heart. So let's say I'm somebody that only hears the word. That's like coming to church on Sunday morning. This is it for you. Just what you see up on the screen, what you hear me read, that, that's the word you hear. That, that's like holding the word of God with your pinky finger. You know, can I do it? I really can't, it can't. I can't do it. If I just have my pinky finger, if I'm only hearing the word read like once a week by a preacher. Now, if I'm reading the word, I'm, I'm now using my two fingers. Can I hold it? Uh, it's better, but it's still pretty shaky. It's not very stable if I'm only reading the word. If I'm reading one verse a morning out of the daily bread, and that's it. That's something that's a little bit better, a little better foundation. Can the enemy take the word from me? Yeah, pretty easy. Now, if I have three fingers, I've got a pretty good platform there, pretty good base for holding up the word of God. So there I'm studying it. I'm digging into it. I'm looking in the commentaries. I'm, I'm asking the questions who, what, when, where, why to the text. That's better. Now, if I'm memorizing the word, everybody can memorize something. Jesus wept, right? You just memorized a verse. All right, four fingers. I've got a pretty stable base. So I'm memorizing the word. That, that helps me. Can it be taken from me? Yeah, pretty easily. Fifthly. I'm adding meditating on the word. This is much better. Man, I got a stable platform there. I'm growing as I'm meditating on scripture. Can it be taken from me? Yeah. But what if it's in the palm of my hand and my thumb is on one side and my four fingers are on the other side gripping tightly? Can the enemy get it from me? No way. So applying the word of God, the devil can't take it from you. That's why James says, be doers of the word and not merely hearers. Here's a second thing to help me renew my thinking. Rejoice in trials. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but it's the word of God. James says in chapter one, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So God's plan of sanctification is going to include problems and trials and difficulties to make us more like him. They're inevitable. They're going to happen. So rather than ask the question all the time, why, Lord, why is this happening to me? Why did you let this happen to me? A much better question is what now, Lord? Let me see you in the midst of my trials and problems. As someone says, if, if I'm going to have pain, let me at least get the point. And the last, number three, on renewing my mind, a help is to accept discipline from the hand of the Lord. Proverbs 3.11 says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. 
It's not punishment, it's discipline. Unbelievers are punished. Believers are disciplined. And it's always for our good. The goal of sanctification is that I would be more like Jesus. Ephesians 4.13 Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So not only do I want to grow up from being a baby Christian to a mature Christian, I want to be that mature Christian that when people look at me, says, boy, he or she looks an awful lot like Jesus. I want to go from my mind being conformed to the world to my mind being transformed by the word. From my will be done to his will be done. From my emotions control me to my emotions are spirit controlled. From I'm consumed by my possessions to I'm content with my possessions. From I'm selfish in relationships to I'm sacrificing in relationships. From my body is my territory to my body is his temple. From prayer is an infrequent cry of help to a constant act of trusting. From work expresses my worth to work expresses my calling. From my problems are destroying me to my problems are developing me. From the Bible is a good book. Two, the Bible is my guidebook. Okay, let's do the third word. I'm real short here. Believe. Believe in God's ability to do this work in you. First thing, God is committed to your growth. You got to know that. You got to see that. You got to believe that God is committed to the work in me. Sometimes I know you can, we can feel discouraged when we see some of these same old sins just hanging on. But he proved it by going to the cross for you. Philippians 1, 6. I love this verse. And I'm sure of this, Paul says, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to keep working in you until he returns. And secondly, growth isn't accomplished by trying harder. But trusting harder. Jude 24. Now to him who was able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. He's going to do that. You're going to be presented blameless to him at his coming. Let me close with a quote from William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army. From the day I got the poor of London on my heart and a vision for what Jesus Christ would do for them, I made up my mind that God should have all of William Booth. There was. And if anything has been achieved, it is because God has had all the adoration of my heart, all the power of my will, and all the influence of my life. Let's pray.
Lord, I'm so encouraged by Philippians 1.6 that you who began a good work in us will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. I know you are at work in us. You're changing us, making us more like Jesus. So we want to yield to your spirit working inside of us, changing us from the inside out because we want to be more like Jesus. Help us to say no to sin. Give us that power when it raises up its ugly head that we say no and we're overcomers and victorious over something that's maybe held on to us for years. I pray that you're delivering folks right now this morning from besetting sins. We want to be holy people, Lord, who please you in every good work set apart for your use. Use us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.